Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday. We begin in Alabama, and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues this week. We are in New Jersey, the Garden State, and our first guest is Cassandra Darling. We'll talk with her and listen to one of her songs a little later on. But right now, I want to talk about Monkey House Guitars. In the little town of Kansas known as Tecumseh, you'll find Monkey House Guitars. Now, Monkey House Guitars is a small made-to-order guitar shop. If you think it, they can build it. Some of the most beautiful handmade guitars you'll ever see, meticulously designed and crafted pure specifications. Nothing by machine, all hand-laid frets, everything routed, sanded in the shop at Monkey House Guitars. The Multiverse Guitar, singularly one of the most innovative and interesting guitars I've ever seen being made. And you can watch it being made through videos on their Facebook page, all from the hands of Mike Thompson, who's an amazing artisan and insists that he cannot be called a luthier. So if you would, please check them out, Monkey House Guitars. Sometimes they have a website, sometimes they don't, but check them out anyways if they're there, monkeyhouseguitars.com, all one word, or find them on Facebook, Monkey House Guitars, Tecumseh, Kansas. If you think it, they can build it. Our guest, Cassandra Darling from Montclair. I'm not familiar with Jersey. I've, I've told people all this week, I'll be telling people that I'm, I've been to Jersey once. That was when I was in an airport after a Rangers game in the city. So uh, where is Montclair in proximity to anything? Are you near New York? Or are you more near Asbury Park, Trenton? Where would you be by? Um, if you take a beeline out of Penn Station in Manhattan, about 20 minutes by train, and then you drive 10 minutes south, you will reach Montclair, New Jersey. Oh, okay. All right. That was easy enough. I actually visualed that whole thing. Of course, I've been in New York. My daughter used to live in uh, in Queens, in Astoria. So I, I got familiar with the different lines and a little bit familiar with like uh, uh, Grand Central. So <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do you go to the city a lot or do you pretty much stay? Well, you travel. Yeah. You travel. So I'm a traveler. I am a traveler and a wanderer and a rambler. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, New York City is a big part of my life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, the energy of the city, the people of the city. Okay, uh, we don't know you, so let's talk about Cassandra Darling. And you're a vocalist or a jazz singer, I guess. Is that how would you typify your talent, your art, jazz singer? Yeah, I actually gravitate towards the word vocalist. Okay. I'm not sure it feels more honest to what I find myself doing, but what I do is singing. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, that same here. I'm I'm. I'm I was the front man of a cover band, but I i own, I don't know if you can see over my shoulder, but I've got a bunch of my guitars here and I can play guitar, but I'm not a guitar player. I'm more of a vocalist, you know, and, and I joke a lot that when I was playing, I started playing when I was like 14, 15 years old, and I just found it was easier to take a guitar to a party than a piano. So <laughs> do you yeah, play? Yeah, that's actually why I started singing. So oh, really? I'm, a, I'm a classically trained pianist. I played the piano my entire life since a child. Um, and we could have a fun discussion on like my whole psychology around having to like break out of some trauma to become a performer. Uh-huh. Uh, that could be fun for a little later. But I was always a pianist uh, and it was something that I just 
did not have any desire to try to do out in the world because that would mean me, I'm a five foot two, 100 pound woman. I'm like lugging around an 88 key keyboard like to gigs no way I'm not doing that <laughs> so I always loved singing and it's it just seemed like something that when you're a singer you can just like drop in with anybody I could get yeah. anything with anybody someone can be like all I play is the bongos I'm like let's go let's do something right now you know that's I love having the, the freedom to to make music literally at any time and place I need nothing I need no instruments just my body you must you must yeah. have a, a an encyclopedia of songs up in your head. If, if somebody can sit there and just start going, no, I would improvise. So I'm, I'm oh, okay. very much an improvisationalist. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that explains the jazz reference, I guess, that I got in my head. I thought of you more as a jazz vocalist because uh, I do, I do the standards. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as a jazz vocalist, I like to perform the standards in traditionally standard ways. Um, so trad, jazz, traditional jazz. I'm yeah. highly influenced by like Ella Fitzgerald, for example, is my hero. Really? I don't think a greater vocalist ever lived. Um, and also to put what she does in the context of her time and that she was a black woman. Uh -huh. And let's think that she wasn't even like a 10 out of 10 beauty. You know, she had so right. many things working against her and she was the most fully self-expressed, just doing things nobody's ears had ever heard a person just and and she exploded people's concept of of what it was to sing, to be, to yeah. express yourself. Good God, I I just love her. <laughs> I so I see a lot of her music. Um <laughs> I I'm inspired by like Billie Holiday, for example. I love the voice of Doris Day. So I like these old, um, I like grandma music. I like grandparents music. And that's also an influence. You know, one of these things that's so subliminal and then until it, until you're taking action on it, you're like, I had no idea that that was saturating the little sponge of my childhood self. So my grandfather, my mother's father, Adam Molesky, who we called Pops, um, he loved listening to old jazz music. And he was like, I don't know, 78. And I was like, eight. <laughs> and he'd oh, wow. be like, you gotta listen to Artie Shaw. Bobby <laughs> Darren. Bobby Darren is who you want to listen to. That's and, um, you know, unfortunately, I was 17 years old when he died. So he didn't get to see, you know, at that time, I was still just like, I'm too cool for everything. And just listening to like, God knows what, you know. I mean, good music, but certainly not Artie Shaw. Right, uh, right. So he didn't get to see that I would become the singer that I have become. And that's a bit sad, but yeah. we can imagine, you know, his DNA is in me. And so he's experiencing this on some other trans temporal dimension. That's interesting. And uh, one of the photos that we use for one of our logos here, I don't know if you've looked at our website or whatever, but uh, it's an old sepia colored Dixieland ragtime jazz band called the Alabama Serenaders. Okay. It's that, okay. that black and or brown and yellow kind of color. I call it sepia. I don't know if that's accurate, but uh, yeah, that's sepia. Yeah. Right in the middle, there's this guy on the clarinet like this on his knees, like he's pointing his clarinet up to the gods. Right. That's my grandfather. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I, I got permission from my siblings and everything. And so you guys cool if I use this for this website and they're like, Oh my God, grandpa would love it. You know, what an honor. Of course. Yeah. 
And when uh, I used to be in a cover band, and I had a picture of him, and he used to go to shows with us, you know, <laughs> take his take his picture and set it up in like my guitar rock shows? case, huh? Like rock shows? Yeah, yeah. We we did a uh, classic rock cover songs, and I would take the picture I had that's on this podcast, and I would take that picture because I have it framed, and I would take it with me sometimes to shows and set up. I said, "Grandpa's gonna be watching. He's over there in the corner. You guys leave him alone. Don't mess with him." You know, but kind of look at me like. Okay, but they got it, you know. I mean, that's where my music heritage came from. I don't know where he got his, but that's you know, it's been in my family's blood. Mom used to sing all the time, which is probably why I'm a vocalist. And if mom played piano, I'd probably be a pianist, you know. Cool. And I love your. So let's talk about this. If you, if you're game to revisit, we obviously are both have something in the background: a vocalist or a singer. Can we like? What do what do each of those words mean to you, and why does one feel different from the other? Uh, to me, I guess a, a singer is the person that gets up and does karaoke. A vocalist performs the song. Okay, I feel like somebody getting up and doing karaoke is not a singer. Um, <laughs> but maybe uh. I'm being, maybe I'm being stingy, and you're being generous, and I vote for the generosity. So. <laughs> Okay, well, what's yeah. your def what's your definition? I don't have one. I that's why I oh, wanted to okay. explore it in, in conversation with you. Okay. But it is yeah. something that it's kind of like a something sticky in my mind. And I when I, my dad, when my dad would sing happy birthday, and I swear to God, this is true. When my dad could sing happy birthday, if you took the words out and just listened to the melody, you wouldn't have the slightest idea what the song was that he sang. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> I swear he could be singing Hanaluchi Boogie for all I know. <laughs> he was singing happy birthday. Because he had no sense of pitch whatsoever. Mom, on the other hand, if she was off by a fraction, if she was just a little flat or a little sharp, she'd say, that sounded horrible. That sounded horrible. Okay. So I grew up in that environment. So to me, mom was a singer because mom would sing all the time. A vocalist performs. You don't just, and this is not, this is my thing, but the, you feel the song, you, 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 what is the message here? How do I relate to that message? How do I take that message and put it out there? You know, and I can do that like a, a song like uh, Elephant by Jason Isbell. I don't know anybody that died of cancer, but I get the sentiment of that song. So if I perform that song, I'm performing that song. Mm. Prior to that, if I knew the song, I can sing, I can carry a tune. I don't go flat. I don't go sharp. I know what to listen to. I've got my timing down. If I didn't know the meaning of that song, I could get up and do the song Elephant and sing it the same, but it wouldn't be the same way because it lacks those components of that understanding that emotion, where that's coming from. I'm just reading the words and putting the melody line that goes with it. And that would be the singer to me. I think that you have perfectly parsed those words apart. Thank you. you I have nothing can, to add. You just did it perfect. You, you can use that going forward. <laughs> I will. I'm glad this is recorded so I, I can make sure I get so, it just right. This is this is Cassandra Darling interviewing Tom Pollard here on the Music of America podcast. And <laughs> <laughs> when did you sorry, branch, sorry. When what was your first step into uh, performing vocally? Because you were a trained classical pianist, mm -hmm. and and Grandpa was always saying, "Listen to this music, listen to this music." So at some point in time, you had to say, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it." Yeah, so to that, I have to give a shout out to my friend, Chris Grisan, who I was in the matchbooks with. Um, he is a just phenomenally talented, skilled, practiced, impressive guitarist. I'm very grateful and honored to have um, gotten to be in a duo with him for about almost three years. 
Um, so I was singing non-professionally. I believe you're asking for like, what was the moment that I went yeah. from singing to now I'm a professional vocalist. Right. Uh, so I had been training my voice in solitude, um, very much not for other people for, I don't know, 10 years. Um, singing was always important to me. And, and I think what would end up probably being a theme in this uh, conversation today is what is so important to me is to be fully self-expressed. So mm -hmm. singing for me was always a way to express myself with my voice. And I also have some, uh, how should I say, <laughs> history of being a screamer, of being an angry person and using uh -huh. my voice um, violently. So singing for me is an opportunity to find power and strength in my voice, but to express it with control and actually for something that is beautiful. It can be strong and it can be intense and it can be powerful. It can be full of emotion. And that emotion doesn't, you know, it could be negative emotion. And there's this expression coming through this machine that was previously um, burdened right. with, <laughs> yeah, sure. There was a psychological um, thing that I still, I'm still trying to always be aware of the tone of my voice, the timbre of my voice. I get very excited about things. I imagine now that I've flagged it, when I listen to this later, I'll be able to notice, I get very excited about things and I'm like, <laughs> and I then when I hear that later and I think, wow, the the ideas that I'm expressing and the energy that I feel, I like those things, but the sound of my voice ha can can get, there's something about it that makes me not want to listen to it. And so I'm listening to my own voice, thinking, how can I speak in a way that people want to listen to what I'm saying or to what I'm feeling from right. the perspective of self-expression? You're there now or you're closer to there now? It's like washing the dishes. You know, there's something, there's work to do every day. <laughs> I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> Fabulous. There's always, there's always something that has to be done. I'm, yeah, I'm I mean, both. who arrives? I mean, have you, what, what artist or musician that you've met that you actually respect is like, oh yeah, I just, I'm a master now and that's it. Mm -hmm. like, right. Mm, well, okay. You if you think, think, of, think of a doctor, think of a lawyer, right? They don't, right. they're not doctors and lawyers. They practice medicine. They right. practice law. Right. So, so uh, maybe that's, that's the, that's the uh, reader's digest definition of singer vocalist is that a singer sings, but a vocalist practices singing when the practice of vocalization. I agree, I agree yeah. with this in um, exploration of the word practice. I also. In it seems to fit. Because there's always dishes to be done. I love that. Oh, good. You can use it. <laughs> I'm going to get a plaque. There's always dishes to be done. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to take a break here real quick and come back and talk to you about some more. We're going to talk because you touched on the, the matchbook. So we're going to talk about your history with them a little bit and how that evolved where we are now. But right now, since we're talking about the blues, growing up in our jazz and the blues, I guess. Growing up in St. Louis, the blues is such a strong influence and has been in my life. Like I'd mentioned earlier, the, one of the logos we use here 
on the Music of America podcast. The Alabama Serenaders goes back to the 30s with my grandfather right there in the middle with his clarinet pointed up to the gods. Well, the Soulard Blues Festival called the B3 Blues Festival, it's an outdoor concert festival held in historic Soulard Market. When you think of New Orleans, you think of Bourbon Street. When you think of Memphis, you think of Beale Street. When you think of Chicago, you think of Rush Street. When you think of St. Louis, you should think of Soulard, historic Soulard Market. Now, the flavor of the Soulard B3 Annual Blues Fest, the flavor is local blues artists, a savory tradition of classic blues does and will prevail throughout the day. So uh, kind of keep your eyes and ears open. And if you want to get involved with them, I, I know they've finalized their act for this year, but if you want to maybe get involved next year, get in touch with them at the Soulard B3 Blues Festival, Soulard B3 Annual Blues Festival in historic Soulard Market. Cassandra Darling, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. Hi. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm enjoying chatting with you. When is the festival? I was writing it down. When it's like- it's in May, and uh, when I had Dave Beardsley, who runs the or one of the organizers of the thing, they they have something coming up in March, and uh, next month, and it's a fundraiser where they have a couple of musicians. I think it's three different musicians that do like a tribute or something, and it's a really cool concert venue kind of thing, and all that money goes to pay for the B three. Funny thing about B3, you're you're a pianist, so you understand the B3 organ, right? It's like a big, uh, it's a big organ. It's a fundamental piece of of blues heritage. And they call this the B3 Music Festival, but there's never been a B3 organ there. So Hmm. this year, I think they're changing that. They're actually getting a B3. They're going to set it up on the main stage. So if musicians want to play, then it'll be I already wanted to come. And now, so I did live in St. Louis for... A couple of years. Oh, yeah. Where about? Yeah. Um, I lived in Clayton at the time. Okay. And the St. Louis jazz blues scene was phenomenally influential on me. I mean, what a place to be. I always tell people, because I've lived many places, born and raised in New Jersey. Um, Then I lived in New York City for a while, as you've got to do when you're a young Jersey girl. Uh, <laughs> and then I um, was bitten by a bug of adventure. I bought a 1971 Volkswagen Vanagon camper van. I purged all my material possessions. I built out the interior of the van with a friend of mine who's a professional um, Parsons trained furniture designer. We made it like friggin' phenomenal little micro mansion. Um, And then I lived on the road for a year. And then after that wrapped up, it reached a natural uh, intuitive conclusion. It was like, okay, it's time to be done with this, like being a transient person. Um, time to be back in the world. I moved to Los Angeles and I lived there for about two years. And then I moved to St. Louis. I lived there for about two years. And then after St. Louis, I moved to Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I lived there three years. And then I moved back to New Jersey. Wow. Why Buenos Aires? Why Argentina? Um, I was learning the tango. I decided to learn how to be a tango dancer. So I did. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. I guess it's on uh, that was on from New Hampshire, Soggy Pooh Boys, uh, New Orleans jazz band. And they talk about like the tango and how the culture of New Orleans is a combination of like Western Africa, the West Indies, French, Europe, 
and it all comes together. And that's how music and dance intertwine so much in that culture. And the tango is a, a song that came, or a style, I guess, that came mm-hmm. up over and over again. Interesting. You moved to another country for three years to learn a dance style. Are you pretty well, good? Well, I wasn't. I, I, I went there to dance and I stayed for other reasons. But okay. let's go back to St. Louis. Okay. <laughs> Got it. Okay. <laughs> Get out of that dark history. <laughs> yeah, let's just gloss right on over that and get to the present moment, actually. Um, I just, well, I will love to come to St. Louis for that Blues Fest. Oh, for uh, sure. My birthday is in May. I got some friends to visit. I got you to meet. We'll have to have a beer. <laughs> or several, right? <laughs> and actually drink. Um, but, you know, it's a thing to say. That's right. It's a, well, yeah, just a, well, that's the, the B3 because they didn't have a B3 organ. They asked Dave one time, they said, what's the B3 stand for? There's no organ. He goes, oh, it's a blues, brats, and beer. It's a St. Louis, you know, bratwurst. So <laughs> maybe um, he came up with that on the fly, but it works. That's right. Well, that was absolutely <laughs> uh, uh, hilarious, though. Now, you uh, you were in St. Louis, you're in Jersey, and then you're in Florida, and you're in Jersey and Florida. Where did the mm-hmm. And I'm going to correct. I'm going to correct myself before I say it. I've been calling it the Matchboxes, but yeah, the the that. band Matchbooks Match was a band books. you were with. Mm-hmm. And when did that? What was what was the evolution of that? And when did that happen? Right. So this is a long circuitous route to answer your first question, which is when did I start performing music professionally? Yeah. Uh, so my friend since high school, Chris Chrisan put like a post on Instagram. Hey, is anybody looking to make music? And uh, and I had moved back to Jersey somewhat recently to the, saw that. And I was like, yeah, let's do some music. And I think what's going to happen is I'm going to go to his house. I'm going to be like, what's up? Oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in so long. Maybe smoke a joint, chill, jam a little. Yeah, That's what yeah. I'm expecting. But I get to his house and you know, he's like, hey, how are you? And then we sit down and he goes, so what are your ambitions with this project? And I was like, whoa, <laughs> this was a 180 from what I was expecting to be like, let's just be casual and like make some music. He's like, I'm looking to start a project. What, you know, what do you want to do? And so I'm also an opportunist. I'm an improvisationalist. I'm a vocalist and I'm uh, an opportunist. Uh, when an opportunity comes, you got to jump on it. You've got to strike while the iron's hot. And I had been, you know, sneakily and secretly preparing myself vocally for a decade. I know I'm like, this is an opportunity. It's time to arrive. So, uh, you know, I just, my, my brain did a quick rejiggering of recalibration. And I said, well, actually I've always wanted to sing jazz um, and perform like lounge music and Uh wear people red gown. Um, Would you want to do something like that? And he was like, yeah. And then we just started doing it immediately. Wow. That's something. Yeah. And, and he was the guitarist. Yeah. Chris yeah, is okay. a very yeah. talented guitarist. Yeah. You stay in touch? We, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So we um we did a lot of jazz standards, and then we would do covers of pop music that was bent into our jazzy sound. And I'm really like what? Per- give, give me give me an example of one or two. Sure. One of my favorites to perform with the matchbooks was uh Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark. Oh no kidding. Oh, yeah, fun. oh I love it. Oh I love it. I think that's one of the best songs of all time. Really? Mm. It was uh Courtney Cox's debut, did you know that? 
I did not. I didn't even know she had a debut. She's the one that goes up on stage on the video that dances with Bruce Springsteen. Oh, oh, as a dancer. I thought you meant she like did a version of this song as a no, singer. No, 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 no. That was her screen breakthrough, though. That was how that I did not know. Her. I did not yeah. know. Watch the video and you'll say, oh, friends. <laughs> so take me, uh, take me from that duo to the the matchbooks. Well, that but duo is the matchbook. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought there was other members because this. I just got a sampling of the song that we're going to listen to a little later on. I, I thought there were more parts on there, but that yeah, was something. Chris actually did all that at, in his home studio. Oh wow! Oh, yeah, wow. I felt a talented dude. He's no got kidding. a new project right now uh, called Best Dressed Ghost. I'll go ahead and give him a little plug. Yeah. Uh, but we'll we'll get back to me now. <laughs> Right. Well, I wanted to ask you, because you said something earlier, you said something about expressing all of you, a total expression of you. And that's what you try to totally do. Totally self-expressed. Totally self So how about writing? Have you written? And what have you I'm written? a prolific writer, yes. Have you written songs? And will we hear those in the future? Yeah. So I'm so glad you asked. Um, I've written songs all my life, but I've been very, very poor at recording or even transcribing my music. Um, mm -hmm. I know that beautiful things have flowed out of me and the best I, I had done to this point, you know, I'm actually at a, a moment in time in my life where there's a tremendous transformation taking place, like a kaleidoscopic molting of old ways of being and the blossoming and blooming of new ways of being. And so that includes that, you know, if you're a professional musician and all you are recording yourself with is your iPhone, this is very professional behavior, is it? Right. And I'm speaking to myself, right? Uh -huh. Are well, you a professional uh or not? Right. Um, so that's all turning around. And, and another thing is that I think I, there's no sense to no regrets, right? No right. regrets. But choosing more deliberately my ways of being in the world now, um, I'm, I'm, I'm like you are. I'm inspired by the way that you are. You're messaging me. Hey, are you, you want to do this podcast? Good. Send me an email. Where's your email? Great. I got your email. This is lined up. Are you there? Are you there? Are we doing this? Are we doing this? You have to be on top of people if you're trying to do anything with other people, especially flaky musicians and artists <laughs> and people who are just <laughs> in the wind. Flaky so musicians. Hard. Flaky ass artists, right? Just in there, like, oh, like we'll do it when we get around to it, and oh, but it's such a nice day. I have to go. It's like I, ha I am, you know, so intimately in tune with that style yeah. of being because I have been that. Yeah, so I have love and compassion, but I'm also very motivated at this moment in time to get things done, and that requires diligence and professionalism that I am developing right now in this very moment and every other day, because what did we say? There's always dishes to be done. I love that. That's, <laughs> that's going to be a great slogan. There's always dishes to be done. There was a, a actually there's a motivational speaker, a motivational speaker. And his whole theme is make your bed. That's the theme. And he's a military commander of some sort. And he says, when you start your day, you make your bed. And he does this whole long thing about structure and having meaning and purpose to your life. And it begins with making your bed. And it's so interesting to hear. Google it sometime. I'm familiar, I'm familiar with this. Philosophy. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I want to backtrack, too, on something else. When you were mentioned Artie Shaw, uh, mm. there, in, a, in a couple of lifetimes ago, I used to work in radio. 
And one of the last formats I worked at in the small market of Chanute, Kansas, there was a guy named Art Ham. And Art Ham had produced a whole radio concept, and, and the concept was called The Music of Your Lives. Now, imagine my age, okay? Imagine me growing up, and all of a sudden, you don't hear the Beatles, you don't hear the Rolling Stones, you don't hear the Animals, you don't hear Hermit's Hermits, you don't hear all of these bands I grew up listening to. You don't hear them at all. And then 40 years later, you turn on a radio, and there's Yesterday by the Beatles, there's uh, Long and Winding Road, there's Satisfaction, you know, there's House of the Rising Sun. You develop your listening habits at a young age. This is the concept at a, at a young age. And, it, and then if it's taken from you when it reappears, you're going to be drawn exclusively to that format. Okay. Well, Art, Art Ham's Music of Your Life format was based on the music you were talking about that your grandfather influenced upon you. Big band music, Mary Ford with Les Paul, going way back, all the way up to like Doris Day, Lawrence Welk, Tony Bennett. And every once in a while, there'd even be like an Anne Murray, Barry Manilow song mixed in there. But for the most part, it was it was like the jazz standards of the era that our parents, my parents grew up on. Not our parents, because I'm probably old enough to be your grandfather. But <laughs> it's flattering to me that you think that. <laughs> but you, but you, you get the point, though. You, you know, it's a really cool format. I don't know if it's even out there anymore. There might be a serious channel or something, but that's something you might want to delve oh, it was into. a radio show? It was a radio programming format. So you had to buy into this program, but then you got all the marketing stuff that went with it. But uh, on the, it. it sounds music, right up my alley. It does. And when you're talking about that, it triggered something with me. I said, I got to talk to you about that. And oh. also going to talk about one more time. We're going to talk about the matchbooks and we're going to hear actually one of your songs. But there right now is. I, I got to talk about this here. Uh, you don't need big promises, ladies. You need results, right? Simple beauty, retinol moisturizer contains only the best ingredients for your skin. It doesn't contain unnecessary ingredients that may cause your skin to have further issues. Specifically formulated, the retinol moisturizer helps reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles, making the skin appear younger, softer, smoother. A powerful combination of antioxidants, vitamins A, C, B5, and E, fight premature blocking agents by blocking the DNA-damaging free radicals and promoting softness and elasticity. It contains natural ingredients like aloe vera, jojoba oil, rose water, sunflower oil, all great at alleviating a variety of skin conditions. It's Simple Beauty Retinol Moisturizer. You can get it at simplebeautyskincare.com. That's simplebeautyskincare.com. It simply works. Now, this is, this is me being extremely sexist. First, our guest, Cassandra Darling here from Montclair, New Jersey, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Whenever I have a female guest that is a front woman or a vocalist like, like you, I always do that commercial. I don't know why. And I, in my head, it just hit me because in my head, people are looking at you, even though if there's, you can have a 20 piece orchestra behind you, but if you're singing, they're focusing on you. So Skincare has got to be a big thing for a vocalist. You know, you've got to, because you're not just selling what's coming out of your voice. You're selling a whole package. Like you mentioned with Ella, she had everything going against her. She was a woman of color. She didn't have the 10 out of 10 physique, you know. A woman of color 100 years ago. <laughs> 100 years ago, right. When, when a whole you, other kind of, yeah. When you had to oh, ride probably. in the back of the bus, you had to drink out of certain water faucets, you know. Are you familiar with the friendship between Marilyn Monroe and Ella Fitzgerald? No, no. Oh, it is so inspiring. I'm going to, instead of telling it to you, I'm going to give you a little 
treasure for later. Um, there's an episode of Drunk History. You're familiar with that show? Yes, yes. Okay, there's an episode of Drunk History that covers the friendship between Ella Fitzgerald and um, Marilyn Monroe, and it's just so well done. It's it's primo. You got to check it out. I will. That guy's hilarious. I haven't seen it in years, but if, if, it, if we're talking about the same guy, I get, because Drunk talks about a civil war when... And back in civil wars, them against us, or us against them, kind of thing. Well, yeah. it's 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 a it's a show. It was um, like a mini series on YouTube, and then it was picked up by Comedy Central. The guy who uh, created it is Derek Waters, and so he interviews um, people who have studied up on a historical event, and they get drunk and they tell it to him. But then between the so it's a you're watching a video between yeah. watching the person speaking it cuts to very high level actors doing like like lip syncing along with the drunk person uh -huh. so you're getting this visual element with like you know ryan gosling is in one for example like oh, funny. it's phenomenal it's so well done and you really learn history like you really learn that's funny yeah, yeah i was i was in a history binge for a while on uh youtube there was a I don't know what it's called. Uh, the Peloponnesian War in sixty seconds, and it was done by the 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 guy that does the cartoons for. Uh, oh, I can't think of who they are now, but it's a it's a it's a. Oh, it's Dilbert. Are you thinking of the Dilbert guy? No, Scott no, it's it's the the people with the round heads and just lines for mouths and that's for eyes and I don't know the artist, but uh, I'm looking. We'll right cut this out later. Uh, <laughs> joke, joking hazard is the is the game that I played. Uh, uh -huh. and it's very adult themed it's very uh well fun to me but into a lot of people it'd be really disgusting if you play it right <laughs> anyway whoever that character is that uh, uh or that artist is it's those characters basically it's stick figures playing like george washington or nero as as rome burns you know but he does like a history of something like in two minutes and it's all animated it's absolutely hilarious and it's absolutely educational you know dead on accurate it's fun so, so the matchbooks was you and your friend Chris Grazan on guitar. Chris, mm -hmm. we were and, a duo. and you did everything in his studio. You didn't go to a recording studio. We did everything in his um, yep, in his home office. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you... and then my friend uh, Rafael Vichazon did uh, the engineering and the mastering of the tracks that Chris and I put out with the, as the matchbooks. So those are all original tracks. We never got recordings of our covers or our standards, unfortunately. And now, you know, we may still do, do so, but now I'm, uh, you know, following another leaf in the wind. So we'll see, we'll see. But I mentioned Rafael for a reason. Um, so if you check me out on Spotify and I'll plug myself more, more appropriately later, but there are four tracks with the matchbooks and those are all original songs. Um, the engineer that we worked with, I will be working with in March. He and I are going to, he's also a engineering is like the thing he does for money. He's actually uh -huh. a totally brilliant genius pianist. And he has invited me. He's living in Buenos Aires he has invited me to uh, make an album with him. So oh, I'm going to go there at the end of February. We're currently in mid-January. So in a few weeks, I'm going to go to Buenos Aires again. I'm going to live in his house. And we're just going to work on music every day for like four to five weeks. And my goal is to get five to eight tracks for the album um, of covers of jazz standards. And mm -hmm. 
maybe even a tango or two. He's a tango pianist as well. He plays everything, you know. Um, that's a maybe. And write one to two original songs and get at least one music video. I want to oh. do all of this in five weeks. And I think <laughs> that if I bring this, you know what I just tell you, right? And I'm speaking it into being. This is being recorded. This is being published and broadcast for crying out loud. I have to do the things I say I'm going to do. That's right. Now it has to happen. It has to happen. You put it out there. The universe is waiting now. <laughs> I hope so. Well, so so you said uh, doing some writing, and we talked about writing a little bit. And the song we're going to listen to is called "Autumn Afternoon." That's an original. Did you write that, or did Chris, or did you guys corroborate on that? Yeah. So, like I've been saying, I'm very improvisational, and that is in my writing process as well. Um, all the songs that we have, I wish that I had. So the uh, the requirement was that I send you something in an MP3 format. And I'm, I've been kind of hands off in the recording process. I don't really have access. And I tried texting and can I get this? And all we got was Autumn Afternoon. What I would have preferred to share with you today was a song called Goodbye Rose. So we can talk about that later, but we'll, we'll hear Autumn Afternoon. Autumn Afternoon began, it was the first song that Chris and I ever wrote together. It's the first song that we um, published. And it was just Chris playing some song and I'm like, just keep looping that. And uh, it was in fact an autumn afternoon. I think this is in like 2021. Um, and I just started singing whatever came to mind. Yeah. Um, and so that is how I've written all of my music. And then of course, you know, you listen to that demo, just that scratch and you write it down and okay, how can I maybe make this rhyme or like, this is kind of lame, but I like yeah. what I'm going for. So it, it's, it's like a, a sudden outburst of expression and then you edit it lyrically i'm speaking of right. um, and that's how i write music that's how i write poetry that's how i write period um good so let's hear it <laughs> did i answer your question i'm sorry yeah. no you did absolutely and we're gonna listen to the song so right. the band the matchbooks not matchbox the matchbooks with our guest today cassandra darling from montclair New Jersey, and the song is called Autumn Afternoon here on the Music of America podcast. Oh 
song is Autumn Afternoon with the Matchbooks and our guest today, Cassandra Darling and uh, from New Jersey, kicking off our, our visit this week in the Garden State. And uh, Cassandra, this is the segment we call Shameless Self-Promotion, but I want to put that on hold for just a moment because uh, when we were talking off mic, we talked about what else you do besides this. And I thought, what an inspiration for a songwriter to be a literary editor, which is what you said you were. And it was yeah. a song you wanted to talk about that was inspired from that. I would love to share the background of the song Goodbye Rose, which you can find on Spotify, um, the Matchbooks Goodbye Rose. So Goodbye Rose uh, was born through my work as a literary editor. I still work as a literary editor. I specialize in working with people who are writing memoirs about their trauma. So there's a strong coaching element that goes along with making sure that the writer achieves both their goal with their work and me editing it so that the language flows and is readable and lovely. Um, but there's also this much more important goal, whether it's spoken about or not, where you're trying to heal from something that happened to you by writing your way through it and by authoring how that story, there's the beginning, there's the middle, and this is the end. I'm choosing how it ends. I'm putting words around that. Then I'm not just leaving it in a journal in a drawer somewhere. This yeah. thing is being edited. It's complete. It's going to a publisher. It's getting printed. And then I'm taking it and I'm putting it outside of myself on a bookshelf. And now that is there. It's not inside of me anymore. So I'm really committed to getting my literary clients that goal. So this was uh, a couple of years ago, one one year ago, two years ago, I was working with uh, C.J. Hudson on his book called Destiny Lives on Fairhaven Street. Um, and I was deeply editing the final draft. We were working together on it for about a, at least a year. Um, 
and then it was final drafts, final edits. And I was 12 hours a day, just waking up, going into the book, reading and editing and reading, editing it. And after a few days of that, I had a practice with Chris, a matchbooks practice. Um, and I was like, you know, let's, let's do some improvisation and let's just see what comes out. Um, and what came out because I'd been saturating my mind with it for days on end yeah. was this man's story in song form. So I'm very proud of that song. I gave it to him as a gift when the book was published and the book oh, is sweet. doing very well. That particular book has won 19 literary awards. Wow. Yeah. CJ is very, um, very committed to making his book a success. And I'm like, sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I do currently do that work still, um, but I'm segueing into being a clinical hypnotherapist. So it's more building on the coaching elements of work I do now rather than mm -hmm. the pen and paper part. Right. Uh, more people focused and more healing focused. So That's that is the thing. That's just wonderful. Find out about me. <laughs> That's so cool. So, uh, well, thanks for that story. Now, this is shameless self-promotion time. So this is when we talk about like what's coming up, what's on the horizon uh, from February on. How do we support you? How do we find you? How do we find your music? How do we find it in the future? Insti is big with you, I think you said, right? So talk to yeah, me. So talk to my, me how we can help you. My handle. Thank you. My handle uh, is at Arting Darling. So arting as in, what are you doing? I'm making art. I am arting. Uh, arting Darling. And that is on Instagram and on, on Facebook with that. And I'm on Twitter with that. I am on TikTok as Cassandra Darling. I don't know. Maybe that's stupid to be not consistent. Um, but I tried it on for size over there. And yeah, I think the social channels are the best place to find me. Uh, and I hope that you do, dear listener. Thank you for hearing what I have to say. And I'd love to connect with anybody who wants to connect about anything. I'm a big people person. So let's talk. How about uh, coming up in 24, a uh, new album, I think. Did you say something about doing some new recording or something? Yeah, we haven't titled ourselves yet, but it is myself, Cassandra Darling, with um, Rafael Villazon, who is a internationally acclaimed I'm, I mean, it's really an honor when somebody says when somebody like him says to somebody like me, hey, let's make an album. I'm there. <laughs> I don't care what I have to put to the side or what I have to say no to. I'm doing that project. So that project will be out in 2024. The, the actually the goal, it's very ambitious, is to create this full album, some standards, some originals, uh, get a music video and then use that to create a European tour this same summer. Wow. Yeah, that's, it's a, it is a, a it little is ambitious. A, it's a time cram. Um, but you know what? The worst thing that can happen is I send a bunch of emails and they all say no. Yeah, yeah. And the best thing that could happen is a few of them say sure. And then I have a European tour with my great friend playing music that I love. Right, right. The summer in Europe, like I'm going to send those emails, you know? That's hilarious. That's no fun. downside here. <laughs> well, unless you, you unless you get booked in June and august and nothing in between right that that would be a snag but you know i could find a way to fill a month in europe i'm, that, I'm sure I'd, I'm, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd find a way to pass the time just fine cassandra this has been a lot of fun thank you you're a ball of energy and i i know you're gonna go places man i just uh i can sense it i can feel it in my bones and uh 
Uh, and it, it's really cool. Thank you for being a part of the show. Cassandra Darling, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. Up next, we're going to talk to members of a show called The British Invasion Years, and it's exactly about what it sounds like. Here's some of their individual work, too, both solo and corroborative. That's The British Invasion Years coming up tomorrow here on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the Music of America.